And this morning I felt impressed very strong by the Holy Spirit. These words. You can preach the word. You can teach the word. You can prophesy a word. You can decree a word over people. You can declare a word over people. But I felt impressed with the Holy Spirit this, that he said, but today you're going to minister this word to the people. I, I told my wife that. I said, it's a, it's, and that's different for me because I'm a preacher. I just like to preach. So I, I began to just turn that over in my spirit. And I thought, how do you minister the word to the people? And it would be like serving you the word. Right? And so I am here today to serve you a word. Okay? And I believe this word is going to change your life from this day forward. Y'all going to get with me on that? I'm going to go to Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. I've already instructed Josh to instruct the media team. I send my notes to them, and they prepare them for you to look at on the screen. But when this kind of anointing shows up, you usually kind of get off the course of the agenda that you've planned. So are we going to be able to flow together today? Awesome. Acts chapter 1. Verse 1, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began. Now listen carefully. Of, go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. Of all that Jesus both began to do and to teach. Is that what it says? Okay, I'm, I'm going to read that again. Of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In other words, he wouldn't teach it if he hadn't done it. Did y'all hear that right there? He wouldn't teach anything that he had not already done. And I believe specifically Dr. Luke says that Jesus did it, then he taught it. You know, it's a very strong thing when we live it. Before we start trying to teach it. Right. And if you take children, for example, they're going to learn through sight. Right? And I believe Jesus always treated his disciples, some of you, this is going to make sense to, like his boys. And the image of Jesus to me with his disciples was not one of hanging out, but one of always imparting to his disciples. All right, now watch this. Verse 2, until the day which Jesus was taken up, after that he threw the Holy Ghost, everyone say Holy Ghost, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Listen carefully. To whom also he showed himself alive. Now you want to underline those four words. He showed himself alive after his passion. By many infallible proofs. Circle those two words. Infallible proofs. Being seen of them 
40 days, specifically 40 days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Many infallible proofs. Last week I preached a message entitled Buried. Today I'm going to choose one word again. And the word is this, proof. Proof. Say it, proof. Yeah, proof is a powerful thing because that tells us about the evidence. Right? The proof is the evidence. You know, we preach right up to the cross and we preach Jesus crucified. We preach him buried and we should. And then we preach him resurrected on the third day. Right? And then after Easter, preachers just start finding stuff to preach. But this whole week, I've been very inquisitive in my spirit concerning what was next. What happened after the resurrection? Let me phrase it another way. What happened between the tomb and the upper room? Well, we know it was 40 days of him imparting to his disciples. We just read it, right? When the Bible says infallible proofs, the word infallible means this. Now, don't miss this definition. Incapable of making a mistake. That's strong. Incapable of being wrong. Some of you wives are saying right now, that's how my husband acts. But when you talk about the Lord, I thought to myself, his word is immutable, which means it's impossible for his word to change. If he said it, he's going to do it. He's an immutable God. He said, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Thank God he does not change like we do. Right? And I thought about the immutability of God and his word. And then I thought about how God himself is infallible. God cannot, it is incapable of God to make a mistake. Think about that. It is incapable of the Lord to be wrong. Now I want you to make this very personal. He did not make a mistake when he chose you. He was not wrong when he selected you, saved you, anointed you, filled you with the Holy Spirit, justified you, sanctified you. He's going to glorify you. He did not make a mistake. It's impossible for God to be wrong. So God is right 
all the time. Now I'm going to throw three words into the atmosphere. Okay? When I throw these three words into the atmosphere, I'm going to start preaching. Okay? As I'm preaching, I just want you to let these three words turn over in your mind. I'm going to serve you an appetizer, a meal, and a dessert. All right? Is there any meat eaters in the building? Okay, good. I just want to be sure I'm in the right, right building here now. All right. Here's, here's your three words. I'm going to say them. You're going to repeat them. Proof. Peace. Peace. Provision. Provision. Let's say them again. Proof. Proof. Peace. Peace. Provision. Provision. Now as I preach today, I want you to just let those words run around in your spirit. John chapter 21 verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Interesting that he would call it Tiberias and not Galilee. It's the same sea. There's a reason for that. And on this wise he showed he himself. Verse 14, same chapter. This is now the third time Jesus what? Showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Our text says he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. With many infallible proofs. It was a season of proving. The number 40 is a number of not just probation, but a number of maturity. Hmm. For 40 days, he proved himself. To his followers. For 40 days. He made it evident. That he was alive. For 40 days. He matured them. To follow him. After he had been crucified. The question is. Will you continue. When the evidence is not there. Oh, it happened to them. We know that because two of them are walking on the road to Emmaus and they are discussing. That's what the Bible says. They're having a discussion about where is Jesus. He said he would rise again on the third day Excuse my country vernacular, but we ain't seen him nowhere. <laughs> Little did they know that Jesus would show up and walk with them. Isn't God a good God? That he'll show himself alive while you're doubting and discussing. Will he ever show up? And he'll just be walking silently with you. And then ask you, now what are y'all talking about? Get done with you and you'll look at the one you were discussing it with and say, didn't our hearts burn within us as this man talked to us on the way? 
That's the Jesus you serve. He allows you to go through seasons of discussing. He'll let you have discussions with other people about will God really do what he said he was going to do? <laughs> Infallible proofs. Many criteria of certainty. Infallible proofs. Many criteria of certainty. Something from which a matter is surely and plainly known. It points, it points to indisputable evidence. I want you to know you serve a risen Savior today. Can you say amen to that? John chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. At Tiberius, on this wise, showed he himself. Now listen to these characters. There was Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus. Now, I could stop and preach right there because Didymus means twin. So Thomas would say, I'm here and so am I. <laughs> Doubting Thomas. Doubting one day, believing the next. What was that movie he said? He said, me, myself, and I. He said, I'm a schizophrenic and so am I. Anyway. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and watch what it says. And two other disciples, didn't even name them. Simon said to them, I'm going to say it like I would say it, and I believe this is probably how he said it. Boys, I'm going fishing. They said unto him, well, if you going... We're going with you. Now, this is the guy that said he would never deny him. And he did deny him, just like Jesus said he would. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night, they caught nothing. What was those three words again? Proof. Peace. Provision. But when the morning was now come. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. <laughs> that just I find that humorous because they never know it's Jesus. <laughs> he always shows up. They think it's a ghost. They don't recognize him. Kind of like some people that go to church. He shows up and they went, oh, the Lord was there? Then Jesus said unto them, children, do you have any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, listen to these words, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you're going to find what you're looking for. They cast the net and now they're not able to pull it up because of the multitude of fishes. Listen carefully. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, by the way, that's the guy that's writing this. That's John writing this. And he says, oh, oh yeah, the one he loves? That'd be me? Watch what he says. 
They were not able to draw it up. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, hey man, it's the Lord. This is the Bible, y'all. Now why, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he gird up his fisher's coat unto him. I will not read the parenthetical statement. Well, of course I will. For he was naked. I guess that's cool to fish naked. I, I've never done that. I'm, he's different. He's a different kind of guy. He jumps into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship. Listen to this. For they were not far from the land. How many of you know some people just never go deep? Dragging the net with fishes as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire with coals on it and fish there and bread. And Jesus said unto them, bring the fish that you caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net, and it was a large great, uh, catch of great fishes, 153 specifically. That's pretty cool. When Jesus tells 100, and he's counting them, 149, 150, 152, 153, stop. All y'all getting a net. <laughs> Maybe he knew if he added one more, the net would break. Maybe he knows just how much you can handle. Maybe he knows the exact number that you have the capacity to deal with. And for all there were so many, yet the net did not break. And Jesus said, come and dine. And none of the disciples asked him, who are you? <laughs> Thank God. Don't you love it when people don't ask stupid questions? <laughs> Why? Because they knew it was the Lord. But can you see these fishermen stinking, standing around, smell of fish on their hands, and they looking at each other like, who's going to ask if you are Jesus? Don't do it. I'm sure the one he loved is looking at them like, don't even think about it. I said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. <laughs> Jesus then came, took bread, and gave it to them, and he gave them some fish. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. He showed himself. He rendered himself apparent. He clearly manifested, I am the Lord. Maybe you're in a time in your life where you need the Lord to show up. I don't know. Maybe a few of us in here say, God, I really need you to show up right now. Maybe after this whole year of chaos and the world turned upside down and the landscape of life you do not recognize, maybe you're saying, God, can you please show up? How many of you can say with me, we need him like we've never needed him before? 
Let me ask it another way. How many of you can say this nation needs God like it's never needed him before? I fully agree. So in verse 1, it says he showed up. And I thought, where did he show up? He showed up at the Sea of Tiberias. Why did John use that name? Why not just say the Sea of Galilee? Because now he is calling it what the Greeks called it, Tiberius. Because Tiberius has a certain meaning to it. And here's the meaning, to see clearly or to have good vision. In other words, he showed up where he could see them clearly. He saw their toil. He saw their frustration. He saw their misery. He saw them fussing. We have been fishing all night. Good idea, Peter. Are y'all with me? But not only could he see them, you know where I'm going. He showed up where they could see him clearly. When I read that and studied that out this morning, I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed me. To tell you that he's about to show up where you can see him clearly. You're not going to wonder, is that the Lord? Is this God? No, it's going to be apparent. It's going to be manifested clearly that this is God who has shown up for you and your family. I just need to know if there's anybody in this building that's ready to see God like you've never seen him before. He's about to show up. Somebody shout clearly. He shows up at the Sea of Tiberias where they could see him and he could see them. The second conspicuous thought I had concerning this visitation was not just where he showed up, but exactly the spot he showed up. The Bible says on the shore. Wait a minute. Every other time these guys are in this boat having trouble, what does he do? He walks on the water. He shows up right in front of them and they're freaking out saying, it's a ghost. And he's saying, chill, brothers. Chill. And then Peter, of course, says, if it's you, tell me to walk to you on the water. Jesus is like, I ain't got a problem with that. Walk on, brother. So he walks on till he is distracted with wind and lightning and waves. And what happened? He began to sink. Have you ever sunk? Notice what he said, Lord, save me. When you're sinking, be sure you call on the right person. Lord, save me. And of course, you know what happened. Jesus lifts him up. They get back in the boat and they go to shore. But watch that this time, the proof is different. The proof is I'm not going to walk to you on water. You're going to come to me on the shore. Get that. Understand what I just said. Many of you look for the Lord to come to you every time. And sometimes God says, no, you come to me. 
As Jamie said in the song earlier, draw near. Come on in this building to God and he will draw near to you. Why does God always have to make the first move? This time he didn't go to them. They had to come to him. Preach, Pastor Drake. Now watch when he shows up. After a night of nothing. That night, they caught nothing. Have you ever gone through a night of nothingness? Is that a word? We'll just use it. A night of nothingness. Nothing is changing. Nothing's happening. Nothing's working. You tried everything. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about myself. I've had so many nights of nothing where you thought, surely, something. And you're like the servant with Elisha. And he says, go up to the top of the mountain and tell me what you see. He goes up. He comes back and the prophet's like this, what'd you see? Nothing. He says, well, go up again. He goes up again. He comes back. Well, what did you see? Nothing. How many times? Seven times. This guy's running up to the top of a mountain, coming back with one word. Nothing. Have you ever been in great expectation like, this is it? And it turns out to be nothing. What is the key to the travel? It's persistence. I believe Elisha would have still had that guy running to the top of the mountain until he saw something. And seventh time he comes back, he said, what do you see? He said, I see something. And it looks like a man's hand. Now let me tell you about nights of nothingness. All nights come to an end. Weeping may endure for a night, come on in this room here, but joy comes in the morning. When God created everything, he created darkness before light. He created night before day. What are you saying to us, Pastor Rick? If you're in a night of nothingness, you're in a great place. Why? Because you are one sunrise away from something great taking place in your life. I dare you to shout, my morning is just in front of me. Joy comes in the morning. Now let me tell you about morning. Morning happens after 12. Stop looking for the sun and start looking for the moment. You just missed that right there. Stop looking for... Morning starts at 12.01 a.m. You can say it another, another way. Morning starts when you wake up. So I asked the Lord today when I was studying this, Lord, would you wake us up? Would you wake us up and let us know that yes, the night season has been long, but you are the Lord that stands on the shore in the morning of our destiny prepared and ready to give us a new opportunity, a new beginning. 
If you're excited about that, take five seconds and give him praise, will you? God is good. And when morning was now come, Jesus stood. That's where? That's when. But how? What was those three words again? Peace, provision. Let's say them together, shall we? Proof, peace, provision. Hmm. So I start studying Jesus' life. Simple way of saying it. He was a professional with peace. Is that, well, that's not what the Bible called him, but, well, actually called him the prince of peace, which means he is in total charge of peace. So wherever he declared peace, peace had, oh, let's go back to that boat. Do you remember the time that boat was in that storm? And what was he doing? Sleeping. Because when he gives a word, he never doubts it. Because his proof is infallible. He never is wrong. So when he said we're going to the other side, he can sleep. Oh, don't you wish we could rest on his word like he does? The storm woke the disciples up. The disciples are going crazy and Jesus is sleeping. The storm never woke him up, but his disciples did. Why? Because he loved them. And what did he say when he got up? Peace. Be still. What was those three words again? One more time. Come on, say them. Proof, peace, provision. Verse 14, John 21. The third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. Well, when is the first time? John 20, verse 19. Watch. The same day in the evening, the first day of the week, the doors were shut, shut and the disciples were assembled inside for fear. Get it. Jesus is risen from the dead. The disciples are in the room. They shut the door for fear of the Jews. Watch what Jesus does. Jesus walks through the door because the door is locked. And what does he say to them? Peace be unto you. When is the second time? Verse 26, John 20. After eight days again, that means it's the same day. The disciples are in the room. And now Thomas is with them. And what does Jesus do? Jesus comes, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Proof. Peace. I love the fact that when he shows up the first and second time, he leaves them with perfect peace. That's his approach, y'all. That's how Jesus makes his entrance. And I saw this, David, that he walked through a locked door. You know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me? These words. I'll do anything. I'll go through anything to get peace to my people. 
Are y'all hearing me? He will pass through anything just to get peace to you. I came today to serve you. I hope you're enjoying this meal called peace. The appetizer was proof, but this meal called peace, you can't get by it because he knows how to work peace like nobody's business. Jesus leaves a demoniac that is naked, cutting himself in a graveyard in a peaceful state, clothed and in his What was crazy is calm. What was driven is now desirous of Christ. Because peace showed up. You know, I pray for you this morning that by the time this service is over, you would have eaten a full course meal and you enjoyed the serving of peace. Because I'm telling you, if we've ever needed it, we need it now. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost, denoting the idea you can't even get in the kingdom without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost got to be present before you, before you can participate in the kingdom. And once you get in the kingdom, you can have joy. You can have righteousness and you can have peace. Would you lift your hands right now? Father, I speak peace to your people today. I speak peace to them. Because many people in here are full of fear, not sure if they're going to make it. Not sure if they're going to get another job. Not sure if they're going to be put in the right place. Not sure if they're going to recover from the, from the setback that they've endured. Father, I speak peace to them right now. I speak peace to that wife that is worried about her husband. I speak peace to her right now. I minister to her right now. Woman of God, be at peace. God's got this. And God's got your husband. I pray for that man that is worried about his family. Is he going to be able to provide? Is he going to be able to support? Is he going to make it? Is things going to get too bad? Listen, brother, I speak peace to you right now in Jesus' name. Father, let peace just rest right now in this house. Let a calmness, a blessed assurance rest in this house right now. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone shout praise the Lord. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So Pat, tell me if I'm right. The first time he showed up, he left peace. Eight days later, which means the same day that he showed up the last time, he showed up this time, the second time. What did he leave? Peace. Now he's developing a pattern. Denoting the idea that if we are here eight days from now, he may show up again and give us peace because we're afraid we're not sure if he's even really alive if you closet box in Jesus to a pattern you're going to miss him the next time he shows up because the third time he didn't show up in the room he showed up on the shore. And I heard the Lord speak this clearly to me, impress upon me to tell you he's going to show up, but it's not going to be like you think. He's coming a different day and he's coming a different way. Whenever you can predict God's moving, then you have removed his sovereignty. 
If you can predict he's going to do it like this and he's going to do it every time like that, you have snatched his sovereignty away from him. You serve a sovereign God. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? He shows up when he wants to show up. He shows up when he wants to show up. He shows up where he wants to show up. We do not get to dictate his visitation. Different day, different way. Now watch what he says when he shows up and I'm done. Children, do you have any food? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I feel like preaching, man. I'm just going to minister to y'all, but I feel my preach coming in now. I feel one of them, ha! Lord, have mercy. Watch what he says. Children, do you have any food? You, you do the study. You do the exegesis. You, you study it. Children means half mature men. You are almost there. But you ain't all the way there. Because if you was all the way there, you would know it's me. But because you don't know it's me, I'm going to go ahead and call you by who you are. Children. He's not condescending. He's just letting them know, you my boys. You ain't become my men yet. This is how much he loves his boys. That he says, do you have any food? When I came to give you peace, you needed it. But now I'm not here to give you what you need. I'm here to give you what you want. Y'all just missed that right there. I'm here to give you what you've been fishing for. You were shaking in that room and I brought you peace because you needed it. But you're out here hunting for food. So now I'm going to give you what you want. You know what I heard the Lord saying? I've always met my people's needs. He shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory, I'm sorry y'all, by Christ Jesus. But sometimes he shows up and he gives you the desires of your heart. I came by to tell you, when he shows up this time, it's not gonna be about your need, it's gonna be about your desire. I need to know if anybody in this building is wanting anything from God because what you fishing for what you are faithing for is what you are about to receive. And listen, when he drops it on you, it's going to be such a blessing, you ain't going to be able to pull it in by yourself. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to need your help with this blessing right here. What he's about to put on me, I can't handle by myself. This going to take all of us. It ain't going to take the elders, the deacon, the board, the it's going to take all of us to pull this catch in. I got to stop. But I love him because how he loved them. If he loved them boys like that, he loves this boy the same. He Put your finger right here and say, he loved me the same way. He loved me the same way. He ain't going to leave me wanting. He ain't going to leave me lacking. He ain't going to leave me in need. He's going to put such a blessing on me that I'm going to have to call my... 
friends and family. But I love him for this. What was the three words? Proof. Peace. Provision. This is what's so cool. He spoke their language. Let's get in that boat, shall we? Hey, boys. Y'all got any food? I'm only asking you that because I'm the Lord. And hear what I know. You ain't got no food. I ain't asking you that for me. I'm asking you that for you so that you realize you have nothing. But I'm about to give you a word. Watch what he says. Cast your net on the right side. Now at that point, Peter ain't all the way up. But he is certainly shuffling in his seat. He said, cast, here's Peter. Prayerfully, he's got something on. I mean, maybe the Bible says naked, meaning he has a loincloth on. We don't know. I just know this man ain't out there naked. I just know that. But when he says, what do you have? Nothing. Jesus says, cast your net. On the right side, I can see Peter just fooling around. On the right side of the boat. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. I've heard those words before. Could it be? Could it be that this is the same Jesus that in Luke chapter 5, when we had been fishing, all night and caught nothing that he said cast out into the quit being shallow with me and let down your nets and we let I can hear Peter testifying in the boat John don't you remember we did what the Lord told us to do and we let down our net and we caught so many fish that night and now this man on the shore is telling us to do the same thing as that man in Luke chapter 5. Before Peter can get through testifying, John said, it is the Lord. I'm convinced of this, that what he did before, he going to do it. Can I get some help? in the building. If he did it, he's going to do it. If he did it, he's going to do it. One more time, if he did it, he's going to do it. What's your words? Proof, peace, provision. Peter said, y'all better get them nets and get them down fast. Imagine this. The boat can't be no more than six foot wide. They were six feet away from a blessing. 
They were social distancing from their blessing. The boat is six feet wide. Some of you are six feet away. Talk back to me in the building. From your blessing. You've just been throwing it on the wrong side. He said throw it on the right. Tell your neighbor get it on the right side. When they threw it on the right side, they caught more fish than they can bring in. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? It don't take but one word. One word can change your entire life. One word. Let me say it another way. One act of obedience. Some of y'all say, I've been trying, 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 I've been trying. Pastor Rick, I go to church, I, I pray, I tithe, I worship, I praise, I fast, I bind the devil, I loose the angels, I pray over my food, and nothing. But God said, try it one more time. Tell your neighbor, one more time because he's about to prove to you. I need about 50 sanctified, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled believers to jump on your feet and give God praise like you know. One more cast. One more. I know you worked all night. Try me one more time. I know you worked all night. Praise me one more time. I know you worked all night. But worship me one more time. I know you worked all night. But give one more time. Because this time. Do you love him today? I don't know what you call him, but this week. You know, I call him different things on different weeks. Sometimes I'll call him Jehovah Shalom. I'll tell him, God, for this seven days right here, I need you to be my peace. Oh, Jehovah Shalom. And I'll pray, Jehovah Shalom, show up because I need some peace in my life. There's too much turbulence. There's too much chaos. Jehovah Shalom. But the next week, I'll wake up and say, now I pray in the name of Jehovah Jaira, the God that supplies all my need and my mind goes back to Abraham climbing that Mount Moriah and as long as he's going up one side, his provision is going up the other side. Why? Because he did what God told him to do. If you do what God tells you to do, he will meet you at the pinnacle of your obedience with a provision that will blow your mind. All you got to do is obey. I need 15 crazy sanctified. Somebody shout Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Shalom. Woo. Y'all ain't praising him like you love him. Come on, take 10 seconds and praise him like you love him. Come on. Bless your name, Jesus. 
Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Have you ever asked yourself, I'll stop, because I could preach this thing here all day. I'm just ministering the word. But I thought about this right here. Have you ever thought why Peter didn't put his coat back on? It don't say he saw Jesus, threw his coat back on, Come on and swam. Peter said when he knew it was Jesus, on, he jumped in. He didn't try to walk. Then the man done walked on water. But he said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to him. And, he, and here's why he took off that coat, because the Bible calls it a fisherman's coat. His coat was his identity. A man without a future returns to his past. He said, I'm getting everything off of me. From the fishing boat to the fishing coat. I got to get to him just like I am. Whew. Are y'all in this building here? Crystal, I told you this morning that when I woke up at 2, not 4, 2, I've been up since 2. Ask my wife. She looked at me and said, what are you doing? I said, I got to go pray. I got to get up. And I followed my spiritual protocol, which is you got to pray. Well, why, why are you going to even try to get in the word and get a word for people when you have not prayed? And I kneeled in my desk like I do every Sunday morning at four, but this is two. And I started praying in the spirit. And my daughter came to my mind, just crowded my mind. Well, that's the Lord speaking to me. So I start praying for you. And I know you have been thinking, how can I hold all this together? I got a job. This soccer game, then that soccer game, then that soccer game, then this performing arts practice, then this play, and then practice and practice. And you just, I'm watching you, Crystal, and you just going. I know I'm being selfish because you're my daughter. But I'm going to do what the, the Lord told me to do. And I'm going to tell you that God's about to show up for you in a way you've never seen. He's about to show up. I could get Michelle, a couple of you women of God, just come touch my daughter, you know, you don't need to hug all over and I just, there you go, Lisa, put your hand on her back. Giovanna, pray for her. Y'all just pray for her. You don't need to bend her backwards or anything. Just touch her. Can y'all stretch your hands this way? Father, we speak peace right now. Peace. Peace. If you want a word like that, that I just gave Crystal, would you come to this altar right now if this was your word today? If you say, Pastor Rick, I can identify with what you just put on crystal. Would you come? This message you preached today, Pastor Rick, was my word. I had to have this word. This, this message helped me today. This is mine. Would you come?
Go ahead, Jamie, and worship a little bit while they come in place. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. That's right. Fear bow. Right here. Right here. Right now. Jesus, you change everything. Tell him. Yes. They are healed. Yes, God. tell you this story and I'm going to pray for you. This is going to sound so simple. Did I ever tell y'all about Bigfoot? Bigfoot was in the fifth grade in my grade. And I remember Bigfoot telling me on the playground what he was going to do to me. I believed Bigfoot. Because I done seen what Bigfoot had done to other guys in my grave. I remember coming around the corner of White Hills Elementary School and Coach Gauthier was standing right over here. And I looked and I saw him and I turned this way and Bigfoot was right here. And I looked up at him. He was about a foot taller than me. Foot that long. It's a fishing story. man's foot was that long and I'm just thinking he's fixing to rip me apart and all of a sudden I heard a voice behind me you know who it was my brother you know what he said hey man I got you let me show you why I said that because that's those guys on that lake and Jesus saying, hey, boys, I got you. I got you. I had you in the storm, and I got you in your lack. I got you. 
And I want you to hear the Lord telling you that today. I got you. I got you. I know exactly what you're missing. I know exactly what you're afraid of. And I got you. I got your back. Everything. Lift those hands. And I want you to hear him saying, I got you. God's got you. And when Jamie says, fear, bow, you got to know it's going to bow. Jamie, sing it again. I want you to let these words hit you right in the heart. Come on. Sing it, Jamie. message at the end of my prayer he said get ready for a big catch okay get ready for a big catch now if you study that scripture right they weren't the same kind of fish did y'all hear what I said there's all kind of fish in that net not the same kind and when I got done studying that see cause DD I see you DD we've been missing y'all now watch when I saw that Greg, the Lord spoke to me and said, get ready for a big catch. So the Lord told me, don't have Sunday service without giving an altar call. Because people are coming to get saved. People are coming that were backslid to be restored. Prodigal sons are coming home. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you, are you right with the Lord? And if you're not, raise your hand real high right now. I want to see you. It's a simple question. Are you right with God or are you not right with God? If you're not right with God, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's eight souls right there. Now listen, I'm going to pray with you. And after we pray, it's going to be essential if you raise your hand for you to go to that door right over there where they're waving at us because we want to get your information. Everyone pray with these eight people, will you? Say, Dear Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. And I thank you that you love me. And I 
with an unconditional love. Your word says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. I do believe and I confess, Jesus, you are my Lord. I receive you into my heart right now to be my Savior. I repent of all my sins. Your word says, when I repent of my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of every sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive forgiveness and cleansing now. And your word finally says, when I pray like that, in faith, old things pass away and all things become new. I am a new creation. I will serve you, Jesus. I will read the word. I will pray. And I will attend church. I'm a born-again believer in Jesus' name. How many of you know all the angels in heaven are rejoicing right now? Amen. Lift those hands, Father. I speak peace and provision over these, your people. You promised me this morning you would prove yourself strong to them. So I'm asking you to do that in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Success to you and success to the kingdom of God.